welcome to the Your Life Rocks podcast, where we believe life balance is possible. Yes, even for you. This show is designed to help working moms focus on the things that matter most in life and helping you balance all that life has for you with practical tips from one working mom to another. My name is Jenny Stemmerman, and I am so glad that you are here to hang out with me today. You know, today we are our last week of our communication series. It has been such a great series. You know, we have covered so much in the last month, and I hope that you have learned just as much as I have. I mean, from the basic skills on how better to express ourselves, that was such a great message for me, at least. I know I got so much out of that very first episode because it really focused in on how our message was received, and it was all about paying attention and serving the people that we were communicating with. I mean, that was just huge. And then last week, we learned three ways that we can better communicate in our marriage. I hope that that has blessed you in your marriage. I know I've been kind of practicing some of those tips that Mary has shared with us last week, and it's been really helpful and really, really great. One of the things that we teach within our free course, it's called Weekly Success Planning. If you haven't heard me talk about that one before, it is a weekly check-in with your spouse. Like when you're reviewing your calendar and you're really preparing for success in that week ahead, but doing this on the daily has been even better. Now, if you're looking to get your hands on that free course, the best way of getting that is inside our app. If you go to your app store, whether you're on Apple or Google, and you search for Your Life Rocks, you will find our app. If you download that, not only do you have a lot of our podcasts and there will all of our podcasts in there, some great tools to help you create balance, and you'll also find that course. So I hope that you go and check it out. And you can also learn more by going to yourliferocks.com. Now, today in our final communication episode, we are talking about communication in the workplace, specifically how to be more effective in your communication at work. You guys, this is such a critical piece. I can tell you from personal experience that most of the stress I experienced on the job had to do with communication breakdowns. I mean, it just happens. It's just one of those things that I think we can definitely be working on, but it has such a huge impact. Because when those breakdowns start to happen, that is when I really need to guard my heart and more importantly, guard my lips. Because it's one thing to have that frustration with work stuff that comes up. And when that happens, I'm not always my best self. I'll be honest, I'm not always my best. But I want my words, my communication to be life-giving. I want them to be useful and I want them to be effective in all I do, especially when it comes to my career, when it comes to what I do. And for this reason, our verse for the week is Psalm 141.3, and it reads, Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Now, thinking about this verse and thinking about communication and how this can really apply to, like I said, those breakdowns that we have in communication and how that affects our career, we have a very special guest, Dr. Claire Carver-Diaz. Now, can I just say, Claire is nothing short of amazing. Number one, she has a PhD specializing in English and communication, and on top of that, she has won medals in synchronized swimming at the Olympics, the Pan American, the World Championship, and the Commonwealth Games. Super star. We are so blessed to have her with us, talking with us today. Now, in 2003, she launched Clear Day, her own communications and management consulting agency, combining her appreciation of effective business coaching techniques 
and keen understanding of teaming, goal-setting, performance management, and communications to help corporate leaders achieve their full potential. Now, Claire also runs intensive presentation skills development courses for athletes, and she's on a number of boards, and she's truly a girl after my own heart. I mean, she gives so much of who she is and all that God has made her to be to so many people. I'm excited for you all to listen from her and to learn from her today, so let's jump right into my interview with Claire. Claire, welcome to the Your Life Rocks podcast. I am so excited to chat with you today. Welcome. Thanks. It's great to be here. Oh, it's so great to have you here. So for our audience, share a little bit more about who you are. So from the intro, you would know a little bit about the fact that I'm a communications coach. And formerly, I was an Olympic athlete in synchronized swimming. And right now, my life looks a little different than it did 20 years ago. I've got four kids age 12, 10, 8, and 6. They're very busy kids. They're awesome. They're all very different and fun. So we've got a busy household. And my my husband's also got a full-time job and we both travel quite a bit with our work. So we enjoy our family life. It can be hectic. Oh yeah. I mean, completely. I mean, those are great ages to have with kids. I don't know about you. My kids are similar age range. They're like 9 and 13. There's only two. You have like double Double the army that I have, (laughs) but it is a lot to balance, especially when both are working and you're both traveling and having four kids. And I know you're recording us this episode with us while you're on family vacation. So how do you approach balance for your life with everything that you are doing? It's a great question. And it's one that I explore a lot in the work I do with clients, but also in my own life, because I think balance for me has not the definition of it, but what balance looks like for me has changed over the years. So it's not about the time I dedicate to things, but about the quality of time and the presence of mind. That's kind of how I've come to see balance in my life. And and I used to, or with clients, sometimes I get them to do a pie chart where they put their priorities. And I know you've got your eight areas um, that you look at with your clients around balance. And I sort of do a similar thing where there's a pie chart and each piece of pie is a different priority. So, you know, faith and finances and and work and so on. And I've really found that there's been a lot of movement in the pieces over the years. So when I was an Olympic athlete, fitness was massive on that. And fitness and work were kind of combined, Mm. which was actually kind of great. I wish that was (laughs) the case now. But family because I didn't have children. It was just my husband and I, and obviously loved being together, but that time was a lot smaller. That it was still a priority, but it wasn't quite as big as it is now with these four kids that all have needs. And that takes a lot of time. So as families become more dominant in my life, that piece of the pie has grown and fitness, for example, has shrunk a little bit. But what I really, really pay attention to is I pay close attention to my thought life. So I know that in order to feel like I'm balanced in all those priorities, I need to be present. So if I'm distracted or overly stressed out and my mind's not there, let's say when I'm spending time with family or spending time with clients, then I know that I've lost a little bit of balance. And that's when I sort of have to sit down and say, okay, (laughs) take a deep breath. Let's look at these priorities again. And how can I make sure that I, I shift the pieces a little bit? Yeah. And what a great thermometer to use is that thought life of how present are you and are you able to really focus in on what is in front of you? I think that that's so important 
And I think that that just gives a whole different perspective, a very clear and clean perspective to balance and with everything that you're doing. Now, I have to ask you, because today we're talking about effective communication at work, and I know you have three Mm -hmm. kind of hubs for us to talk into and to dive into, which I'm so excited to get into, but Mm -hmm. how did you get into this line of work from kind of that professional athlete? What was that bridge looking like for you to kind of move into being this coach and mentor and helping leaders really grow in their communication? Great question, and it's one that sometimes I speak to university students and I think a lot of university students or even new moms who are, you know, exploring, I don't want to be in a full-time job. I want to look at new opportunities and they'll look at me and go, how did you get into that? And I, and I usually say it was not a linear journey, mm-hmm. but, but more or less it's, so when I was an athlete, I really paid close attention to the fact that coaching was so powerful. So my coaches, you know, would be constantly giving us feedback, would be helping us reach our potential. And I saw the power of coaching. And then I thought I was going to get, become an academic. So I went on to do a master's and a PhD in English, specializing in, in written communication. And I realized that, okay, that world wasn't for me. I thought I was going there. I thought I was going to be like one of those, you know, great professors that coached their students to greatness and so on. But I realized that world wasn't for me. And so what I actually did eventually was combine those two things. So combine that interest in teaming and high performance and and improvement and my knowledge about communications and started working in that field. I went through a few jobs first, but then I opened my own consultancy where I help people fine tune their communication helping them work more effectively with their teams as well in in communicating strategy and so on. So when I say it like that, it sounds really linear, but there were a lot of side adventures along the way. Oh, sure. Yeah, I can imagine. I think everyone kind of has those little side adventures that (laughs) contribute to the story of who God is working on creating them to be. But you know, when you do explain it that way, it makes perfect sense to kind of see that progression of being able to appreciate the role of a coach from an athlete perspective, and then Mm -hmm. moving into more of that corporate environment, really seeing that need. I know for me, as I'm working with different clients or I've moved around in different career positions, seeing that need of coaching and communication in the workplace, I think is so critical, especially for those top leaders. And we have a lot of those top leaders that are listening to this podcast today. And so I'm really excited for us all to be able to learn from your expertise and what you have provided. Now, I know one of the the main things that you really talk about is kind of that authenticity. And I think Mm -hmm. that that's so critical in all forms of communication. But talk to us a little bit about that specifically for the workplace. Perfect. Yeah. Well, authenticity to me is more than just one definition. So often when I'm working with clients, they'll say, okay, you're going to lead me through, you know, three steps to be a better communicator. And I'll say, no, we need to figure out what are your unique attributes as a communicator? What is your persona? What are the things that are really natural and authentic to you so that we're not engaging in a cloning experiment where we're pushing people into boxes where they don't need to be and where God is not intended for them to be? You know, as you just said, we're all created uniquely. And so I really love helping people figure out what does that mean for them. Authenticity to me also, if you really want to establish a reputation of being a person of integrity and you want to establish this relationship of trust with your team, it's really important as a professional to say what you mean and then do what you say. 
it's often that say do gap, I would say, of when people, you know, say things aspirationally almost, but then do something entirely different that really breaks down trust in a workplace. And so I think we need to be very conscious of the types of things that we're saying and then really living up to that, being people Mm -hmm. of integrity. Yeah. And that's so powerful. And I think it can be difficult sometimes because it's easy to Mm. say the things because we sometimes know what the right thing is to say, right? Or or we can mimic what others have said or what we have heard and it it sounds nice, Mm -hmm. but it is difficult sometimes to live that out. And how do we know when we are living it out or when we need to kind of course correct, I think can be even a harder piece, which is probably why people need someone like you, a coach to come alongside to kind of point that out. I mean, for people that you've worked with in the past, if they kind of feel like, you know, I'm, I might not be living up to that intention that I set or the things that I said to my team and that great team meeting that sounded really awesome, but things just kind of got busy. Because I think sometimes it's not an intention of not following through, right? It's just a matter of life happens and things get busy and priorities get adjusted. So Absolutely. how would you recommend yeah. people kind of adjust back to reclaim that integrity? Well, it's interesting you say that because I think we should expect that things do shift, right? So especially in dynamic workplaces where there's lots of people involved and and the pace of work is really fast, that sometimes the things that we intend to do or the, you know, strategy that we're heading towards shifts a little bit. And I think the best thing to do, and, and I'll talk about it as a parent too, but the best thing to do is to be transparent with your people. So again, authentically saying, this is what we intended to do this is what happened, or here are the circumstances that came in and interrupted this intention of ours, and let's work together, or here's an idea I have in order to address that. So it's, it's communicating very clearly and very honestly using transparency in the workplace. That's going to earn you the trust of your people. Maybe there'll be a couple of people who say, okay, great, yeah, <laughs> course correcting again. But if you bring people alongside you as you're going on the journey in the workplace, I think you're going to build that really strong sense of team. So being very open. And as a parent, it's the same thing. Like I certainly know as a mom, especially with my almost 13-year-old, I do things or say things in the moment that I think is not consistent with what I've either demanded of her in the past or things that I say, our family stands for this value. This is the way we operate. You know, the Dias family does this, the Dias family does that. And then I do something opposite. I do my best and I can't say I'm perfect, but I'm trying so hard to turn back with humility and say, I kind of messed up here. Help, you know, show me some grace. I'm going to try and fix it. And I've been amazed, especially with the daughter I'm talking about at her response to it. Like, yes, I noticed that it's, it's okay though. We always do, you know, so she's very forgiving and I think it's the same in the workplace. And I think it's such a great way of demonstrating grace in a way, mm-hmm. you know, because you're allowing yourself to be vulnerable and allowing people to give you grace, which then allows them to be able to maybe admit when they haven't necessarily been living up to the standard that they have set or that they have set to be able to know that there is grace, you know, that it's not a matter of demanding perfection, but it's really about being authentic in the situation that we find ourselves in. Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah. that is so powerful. That's great. So good. I love too that you bring that right back into parenting because I think so many times we can put buckets on this stuff and say, Mm -hmm. this applies to our corporate life. But really, 
so much of it does apply with our kids. Now, obviously, there are going to be some things that kind of apply corporately. And you Mm -hmm. talk about stellar first impressions. So share with us a little bit more about what do you mean by a stellar first impression? Yeah, and I tied this one and I often tie this one into authenticity. I'm not sure people are very intentional in thinking about the the impression that they first make, not just when they meet people, but even what's online, what their digital footprint looks like. If a client, let's say a prospective client, Googles them, what does that look like? Is that the impression you want to make? And to be intentional, to think about, okay, when I meet someone, I want them to think this about me or feel this, but we can't control what they think and feel about us, but we can influence it, right? So in person, you know, making eye contact, trying to show a bit of warmth, shaking hands if that's appropriate. Those are the types of things that it sounds really obvious to do those things, but so many people kind of mess up in those moments. And then it takes a lot of undoing Mm -hmm. to change a first impression. But that digital imprint piece is is an area that I've been focusing on a lot with clients lately because increasingly in business, our clients will look us up before they meet us. Or you're meeting someone for coffee in a work context, they will Google you. And whatever they see online is going to start building that first impression. And so I think to get ahead of that, we need to do a bit of a, or I often encourage clients to do a kind of inventory of their online presence. So what is it, can you go to, there's a mode you can put on your computer or you could have a friend do this for you where you Google yourself and see what comes up, but it's not filtered by your previous preferences. So each computer would have a different way of doing that. So you can try to figure that out, Google it and see how to do it. I always think of this one story where I was doing a presentation skills workshop for a group of clients. It was eight women that I was working with. And I told them ahead of time. So in the pre-email, I said, I will be looking you all up online. And then when I meet you, I will tell you what my first impression was in a number of different categories. Some of them I couldn't even find online, which was, I suppose, fine for them in their context. But one woman I looked up because she had somewhat of an unusual last name. So she was easy to find. There were a lot of beach pictures and there were numerous (laughs) online consumer reports, I guess, that she submitted to various companies where she buys products. And they were all extremely negative. So it was her complaining about basically a packet of steaks that she had bought through some supplier. And it was her complaining about the horse lessons, the equestrian lessons she purchased for her children. And it was her complaining about this and that. First, I thought, oh, wow, I'm going to have to do a really good job or she's going to complain about me. And then, <laughs> And then the second thing I thought is, this woman is not a pleasant person. Mm. And then I reminded myself, okay, but this might not, this isn't the full picture of her. And when I met her in person and got to know her, I saw that she was actually extremely warm, very kind, very full of grace in person. It's just she had engaged in online activity that was creating this first impression that I don't think she was even aware was out there. No. So long story to say, it's really important. And we need to be increasingly in this day and age, we need to be careful about what's online, what we've got online. Yeah, it's so true. I mean, I know for myself, every time I go to hire an employee, that's one of the first things we do is we check out their Facebook page. There's a lot that you can tell by, by someone by the types of photos that they post or the memes that they think are funny. But you're right, that's not necessarily that full picture. But it's really part of that managing that presence that we're putting out there. I caught earlier on where you said the word brand. 
and the way mm-hmm. that we're managing our own personal brand. And sometimes I think we think about that in terms of companies that are out there, but not necessarily our own personal brand, even in the corporate workplace and the way that we want to manage that, which I think is important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't love the term personal brand, but that's typically the term that people are using these days. And really it's just what makes us different from other people or what differentiates us? What's our calling card? Not just online, but what are the types of activities that we're engaged in, in the workplace and elsewhere? Does that tell the story that we think we want to hold, right? And is that consistent with, like back to authenticity, is that consistent with our true selves? Are we engaged in online activities or elsewhere that are consistent with who we believe we authentically are as people? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. And making sure that they mm-hmm. align because it is, it's, you know, you think about when you go to an interview or you're going to a conference and you think about, okay, what am I going to wear? And how am I going to do my hair? And what bag <laughs> am I going to bring? And, you know, all of those things, because it, it really speaks a story, but bringing that online piece into it as well to make sure it's congruent, I think is so critical. So in those three main pieces that we're really talking about, number one, we talked a lot about authenticity, which I think is so critical. Talk to me a little bit about number two, curiosity. I'm curious about the curiosity. (laughs) (laughs) Well, good. And that's the way to be. So this really connects with having a growth mindset. And when, in terms of communication in the workplace, a growth mindset often is We can see it in leaders and people who work, who use powerful questioning and engage in active listening. I see that as really positive curiosity. So what that looks like for a leader is actually Michael Hyatt, who is a well-known business writer and speaker. There's a quote by him that says something, I'm going to paraphrase here, but basically, as I grew, as I moved up the corporate ladder, I began to see that it was less important to have the right answers and more important to have the right questions. It totally is. I love to see leaders. I love to see my clients. I love to see the women I work with asking questions. So digging deeper, asking open-ended questions, showing an interest in other people, showing an interest in topics. And I say to people who struggle with being engaged at work, I often say, when's the last time you asked a question in a meeting? Because if you're finding you're getting bored in meetings, a great way to engage is to ask a question. Like go follow that curiosity. Don't just sit there and push the question to the back of your head. Actually ask it. And then actively listening. And I like to talk too, so I struggle with this. A lot of us want to add something in. We're so eager and passionate about talking and saying what we think. And we don't spend enough time actively listening to the voices of other people, to the responses of other people. So it's leaving space for people to answer questions and actively nodding and actively listening to them, being mindful of what they're saying, and then going deeper with a follow-up powerful question. These are great skills that will take you really far in the workplace. Mm, That's so good. You know, I remember one of my very first like real, real jobs that I had was managing, it sounds so weird, but at the time it was, I loved it, but I managed a weight loss center. And one of the things that we would do to train our weight loss counselors was getting them really good at asking questions because that's the only way to really help people uncover what's going on with their weight loss or lack thereof is is to get really good at asking questions. And so we would play this game of 20 questions at staff meetings where you would have to ask the person next to you a question and then 
they would respond in less than five words. And then you had to turn that into a next question. And so to kind of keep the game going, and if you couldn't come up with that next question, then you kind of broke the chain. But I think it's important that we kind of practice those different ways of getting used to asking questions because you're, you're right. I mean, so many of us are just so used to giving our two cents or speaking up and we've kind of built our career at that point of feeling like, okay, I need to add something to the conversation versus asking that question. Mm-hmm. And actually, and I'd even add for those of us, for those of your listeners who are reticent to say anything because they feel like maybe they're a little bit more introverted and they want to sit and have a fully baked idea before they contribute. And so maybe they're not the first to speak in a meeting or, or so on. I think that it takes the pressure off when we ask questions, when we show interest in other people, let's say even in a networking meeting for those people who are a little hesitant to go to a cocktail party or something and uh, they don't want to go to that networking meeting. And so they think, oh, I'm going to have to talk. Well, to flip it around and say, I don't need to talk necessarily. I need to ask questions and, and help people go deeper in your relationship with other people by asking things about them. And it does take the pressure off a little. Mm, yeah, that is such a great, great point. And I, I know for you, for those that are listening, that are leaders, you really talk a lot about creating that culture of feedback as well. So having mm-hmm. people actively coming to you, how do you set that kind of up? How do you create that expectation? Because it's one thing, again, kind of going back to that first point of saying something, but mm-hmm. then having it actually follow through can be something completely different. Well, this is huge. And I would say this is the biggest sport-related skill that I brought into my work, that when you're an athlete, you are getting feedback from your coach all the time. And you develop this mindset where if I'm getting feedback from a coach to fix this and to that I'm doing well in something else and that I need to do this a bit more, then I know I can always get better. The minute a coach stops giving me feedback, I'm going to plateau. And so I moved into the academic world and then I moved into the business world and I realized, wow, for the most part, feedback is really absent. So I work a lot with leaders on how do you create that culture of feedback? And I think it really starts with asking first. So it's not necessarily starting with giving feedback. It's starting with, as leaders, asking for feedback. So being very specific about it too. So it's not overly intimidating for the team members that you're asking. So asking something very specific, like in today's meeting, when I covered topic ABC, how could I have made it clear that, you know, whatever, X, Y, Z. So very, very specific. And then asking, a, you know, maybe a follow-up open-ended question, like for the next meeting to maximize engagement, what three or four things could I do to improve engagement at the meeting? And by showing that it's not a threatening thing, by showing that we are open to feedback, that hopefully will begin to create that sense that this is a place where we're all looking to improve. We're all looking to reach our full potential. And so this is a place where we give and receive feedback. That is so brilliant, the piece about being very specific, because I've been a a part of so many teams that they were really trying to create that culture of feedback, but it was always such a vague question, you know, what can we do to improve? What can we do to make things better? And while their heart was in the right place, you know, sometimes you're like, I don't know. (laughs) It's like maybe free pizza. Like, I don't know. It's so vague that any answer seems to fit in. So I really like the idea of being very specific to help train Mm -hmm. people's minds to go to one place that they can provide that feedback. Because I think sometimes people 
want to provide the feedback, but if we're not giving them that clear direction on what it is that they can, it's just too much blue sky. Yeah, you're totally right. The question I hear the most is, well, how did it go? What could we do better? And you think, okay, there's so many directions that could go in. So most likely (laughs) people are just going to say nothing. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 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 That's so great. I love this. So we talked a lot about authenticity. We talked about curiosity. Now your third point is really about posture, which I, I love this, especially for women leaders. So share with us a little bit more about posture. Mm-hmm. I love, and I bet anyone listening right now, when I say posture, that everyone just grew a couple of inches because we all did. sit up tall. <laughs> I was like, I need to watch how I'm sitting. <laughs> I, I was just slouching and I, you know, I just sat up taller, but so I talk about this in both a figurative and literal manner. So I think that to really encourage openness in the workplace, we need to take on a posture of openness ourselves. And that means, so going back to the feedback piece, that is a demonstration of openness. Like you could just see, you know, a leader coming open-handed saying, I'd like your input on this and starting that open. And that takes a bit of humility to do that. But I also think... I think about posture and nonverbal communication. So a lot of the research talks about speech being only about 20 to 30% of our communication and the rest of the information is conveyed nonverbally by our tone, by our posture, by our facial expressions, eye contact, gestures, how we stand, etc. And we all have these habits, these tendencies that we've developed since childhood around the way we move our face, the way we, um, inflections of our voice, the way we stand, and even tying this back into authenticity can actually give an opposite impression of what you actually feel inside or what you really want to convey. And I'll give you a practical example that involves myself. I used to think that I was sort of a goofy, fun-loving person, very approachable. And then when I really started to listen to what people said about me, I realized that the words intimidating and intense came up. Well, intense and intimidating have nothing to do with fun-loving and approachable. No. No. And (laughs) so I started asking people, when you say that I gave you the impression or that you were intimidated by me when you first met me, before you really got to know me, what was it that I was doing that gave you that impression? And often it was like, well, it's the seriousness of your face. There's an intensity. You furrow your eyebrows. You look really intense when you speak. And you don't smile a lot, which is funny saying that to a synchronized swimmer, former synchronized swimmer. (laughs) But I would watch, because I do a lot of presentations and so on, I'd watch back videos and say, wow, it's true. I do a lot of face-on communication to people where I'm making very direct, very large hand gestures not pointing so much, but my face looks intense, my tone is intense, and I'm not smiling. And that's not the impression I want to give in a profession where I'm helping people, where I want people to feel comfortable. (laughs) So I've worked, I've really, really worked on that, but it took a lot of getting feedback and it took a lot of working, trying to overwrite some of those habits that I developed over time that were kind of betraying what I actually felt inside. What I love so much about what you're sharing right now with this posture piece is that you're really also tying that back into what you were first sharing about kind of that personal brand and showing up in the way that you want to and with that intention, but then also tying in that curiosity with asking people like, what is your first impression of me when you met me? And and when you think of me, what kind of things come to mind? 
So I love that it kind of ties back right into those other two as a way of very practically getting that feedback and allowing you to kind of course correct and get real examples so you can really be authentic and show up in the way that you want to be. Yeah. And as a Christian too, I mean, I really want the fruits of the spirit to show. I don't want bad habits that I've developed to give the opposite impression when I'm really loving people. I don't want them to think, oh, wow, you know, she's really serious and doesn't like me. These are just habits. These are, this is the flesh stuff that we've taken on during our lives. And, and I think that we can work and this is where, you know, my really tie my faith in. I think we're meant to live in community. And a lot of what I'm talking about is relying on the people around us, really building trust with them, showing that we can be vulnerable so that we get their input, that we can grow, we can become stronger Christians, just show these attributes of ourselves that might have been overshadowed by bad habits. And it does take living in community and asking people and working with people to really get a sense of what others are seeing. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's one thing that I was thinking about as you were sharing really everything that we've kind of walked through in this episode is that so much of this relies on having that trusting relationships to being able to have those kind of connections with other people that you can be able to have those open communications or have that open dialogue to ask those questions, have permission to have people speak into your life and give you that feedback on your posture and their first impressions. And, mm-hmm. you know, it really does kind of all play into first building those relationships. So how do we get to that place of having those people around us or being part of those teams that have that kind of open communication? What things can we do as leaders or to be instigators in creating that for ourselves? Number one, I would say as Christians, we pray about it, right? Ask God to light up those areas and say, you know, shine a light in this and show me where I need to develop and grow, but also help me develop these stronger relationships with the people around me so that we can be mutually encouraging and we can help each other improve and grow and challenge one another. So starting with prayer. Secondly, I would say and this might sound simplistic, but I would say it applies to any relationships, start talking. And I know I've said earlier that we have to ask and we have to listen, and that's absolutely true. But I often say the teams I work with, good teams talk. If you're in a team environment at work and you all hate the meetings and you find you all have your heads down, you're doing your work and no one's ever saying anything to each other, chances are it's not a healthy team. And that's not a team where this mutual encouragement and mutual growth is going to be happening. And I could say the same thing in marriage too. Great marriages, we need to set aside time to intentionally talk to one another. And as parents, same thing with our kids, right? These are hard things to do when we're busy and the workplace is a busy place. So we need to set aside time to, as simple as it sounds, talk. Good teams talk. Yeah. And you know, I love too that you you kind of mentioned very early on in the episode when I asked you what balance means for you. And it's, you know, really that mindfulness of being able to be present. And I feel like that that is such a key tie-in to what you're sharing right now of being able to talk. Because sometimes if we're not connected with being present and we don't really know to be able to speak up, to be able mm-hmm. to say, you know, hey, let's try to do something different and to instigate a conversation, whether it be in the workplace or at home or with our kids or with our spouse or our friends or our small group at church or whatever that might be. So I love that you kind of have that posture, talking about posture of that confidence to be able to speak up in those situations. 
So I love everything that you've shared, Claire. This has all just been so incredible talking about authenticity and curiosity and posture and how we can use these three things to really be more effective in our communication at work. Is there any parting thoughts that you have for our audience around communications on way that they can be better communicative in the workplace? Yeah, I'd say that maybe back to my last point, start setting aside time to really talk with people in the workplace, whether socially or formally as a team meeting. But make sure, I love that you repeatedly use the word intentional. I think it needs to be an intentional discipline that we engage in, that we really intentionally get in front of people at work and speak with them, ask them questions and let them answer and listen actively. Mm. That's where I'd start. So beautifully said. So beautifully said. And that is just the roots of, I think, a successful career, a successful life. So thank you so much for sharing so generously with us today, all of your incredible wisdom. And you have a really great clinic that you're putting on, right? A workshop that you are offering for free. Absolutely. Yeah. Over the years, I've offered presentation skills development coaching for corporate clients, Olympians and Paralympians, but it's always been within the context of their organizations. And whenever I have a graduating class, I typically post a picture, you know, on social media somewhere. And people have started saying things to me like, my husband could really benefit from that, or I'd love to take the course. And so I've decided that I'm actually going to, or I've just developed a membership site called Amplify for individuals who want to boost their public speaking skills. So I've taken this all online and to start to kick it all off, I propose that people can sign up for a free public speaking webinar that I'll be delivering on September 27th at 1 p.m. And the sign up for that, so this is just a taste of what people would love to know (laughs) about public speaking. You can sign up at amplifycommunity.ca. So it's amplifycommunity.ca. I'm really hoping a lot of people sign up. I'm so excited to be able to share with a broader audience. I love that you're sharing your gifts in this way by doing a free workshop like this for people. Now, some people might be hearing public speaking and they're thinking, there's no way you're going to get me on a stage to be a public speaker or (laughs) like, that's just totally not for me. But I mean, I would guess that the things that you're going to be sharing in this free workshop really could apply to everyone, regardless of whether they want to be taking the stage or not. Am I correct in that? Absolutely. Yeah. Over the years, I've worked with people who have a pure phobia of public speaking up to people that are, you know, have a five digit speaking fee, you know, Olympians and athletes. So it's for any level, any skill level, any level of phobia, I suppose. It's for all of them. I love it. I love it. Well, I know very specifically a couple of our listeners that are in our membership community that they would love to have this kind of a workshop to help them in their career. I also have some friends that are embarking on some public speaking to really speak out and share their testimony and their faith. And I think that sometimes as Christians, you know, that's, we're all moved by stories. And really that's what our testimony is, is the story of what God has done for us. So I'd encourage everyone to sign up for Claire's workshop just to help you really kind of get those tools necessary so that you can speak and share your testimony, if nothing else, even if it doesn't even transcend into your career or or what you intend to do. But I hope that everyone signs up for this because it really is such a huge gift that you are offering this. So thank you so much. Now, if someone is listening to this and it's beyond September 27th, where can they learn more about you? How can they connect and kind of dive more into what you are doing? 
So the best place to get in touch with me is right at that website link that I mentioned earlier, amplifycommunity.ca. The My bio's up there. We're going to have more and more information up there that will be useful to your listeners. So that's probably the best place to get a hold of me. Fantastic. And we will link to that in the show notes and in our Facebook group and everywhere else. Claire, it was such a pleasure talking with you today. Thank you so much for coming on the show. It was absolutely my pleasure. Thank you. Well, I hope you guys learned just as much from Dr. Claire as I did. I mean, those tips were like top shelf, A-grade, amazing things. I know I'm going to be sharing this episode with some of my friends that I know need to hear what she has to say. And even some of our members of Life Balance, I'm going to be sending this directly to you. So if you get this in your inbox, know that you were on my mind as she was talking. And I just know that this episode is going to bless you in tremendous, tremendous ways. Now, I want to give you guys a little bit behind the scenes. Now, I have an amazing podcast editor, and it probably is going to sound pretty good, but I'm recording this for you right after my interview with Dr. Claire. And during the interview, a huge train like came by. I'm at my husband's business as we are grand opening our second family business today. And so I am in a little escape room. It's the most ridiculous place I've ever recorded a podcast. I should do an Insta story right now. But anyway, during the middle of the interview, a huge train came through. I mean, it was ridiculous. It was absolutely crazy. So hopefully the sound quality is stellar because the content that Claire brought was amazing. So just as I am sharing this podcast with so many people that are part of our Life Balance membership and so many of my friends, I hope that you share it with some of your friends too. Now, if you have friends that are not podcast listeners, there is our new app and you can share the app with them. Inside the app, they will have all of the podcasts from Your Life Rocks as well as our weekly success planning course and so, so much more. And you can choose to upgrade and have the entire life balance system right at your fingertips. You can learn more by going to yourliferocks.com or you can find the app in your app store. Now, next week, we are gonna be kicking off a new series all about managing stress in your life. Now, whether you're creating balance in your life or not, stress is going to happen. So we are gonna be diving into that topic over the course of the next few weeks, hitting it from every single angle, from mental to physical to spiritual, we're gonna tackle it all. So if you haven't yet done so, make sure you hit subscribe so you don't miss a single upcoming episode. And until next week, keep building a life that rocks. Bye. Bye.